for a lot of disenfranchised people, there's so much in our culture for them to look at and identify with that I just feel like I don't have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's picking us up. Yeah. 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 Um, welcome, everybody, to the Art Pros Podcast. We here have Gage B. I am Renz B. And we're live. Live from Baltimore Academy of Fine Arts. It's the Art Pros. Baffa. Baffa. <laughs> you can find us in Instagram at paid.artists. You can find us at our website artprospodcast.com yep and wait yeah we also have patreon patreon.com slash artprospodcast sorry guys we're feeling a little uh we were having some real talk you know as as artists do when you get together over a nice hot piping hot cup of coffee you know you start to get real introspective and Renz and i were just chatting about a heavy research topic for a more serious podcast series. So if we're seeming a little off, if we're seeming a little less hyped than usual, please excuse us. We'll get into the groove in just a moment. Today, we're going to be talking to you guys about some cool stuff, some dope stuff, the best stuff. As everyone knows, the Art Pros Podcast is the place to get your fix of the dope stuff, of the good stuff, of the best stuff. <laughs> Now, I want you to align your chakras, get your Reiki ready for today's episode. But first, we have a couple of news articles we want to share with you on what's big. You know, everyone's talking about the impeachment trial. Everyone's talking about the coronavirus, you know. But we have some really, really big news to share with you as an artist. You're the type of person who deserves to hear. So I'll lead off. There is a man, a man among men from Bulgaria, a blind man. He lost his sight about three years ago. Oh, no. But he's found a way. He's found an amazing way to continue painting. Stamen Karamfilov <laughs> has continued painting after finding himself blind. And it's amazing how he does it. The way he does it is through repetition and memory. He remembers all these years of painting and when... When he found himself basically blind, functionally blind, he realized that if he stood just about two inches from a canvas, he could still kind of make out raw blurbs of color with his left eye. So what he's been doing is painting, imagining a picture in his head and then painting the blocks on a canvas. And then after that, using the encaustic technique of pouring wax over the front of a canvas so it becomes even and through that he's able to see the picture a little bit better and then the rest of it is based off muscle memory so that guy is my hero of the week that's amazing that's amazing because you remember that song can't stop won't stop yeah it's just pretty much the same thing three years you can't let something like that get you down you can't tell yourself and allow yourself to it, you know what i never thought it'd be so simple but he found a way. Yeah, he claims he, that it's his great experience and his intuition, which is something that every artist needs, is a great experience and intuition. I don't think he'd be able to paint still after becoming blind 
if he had never practiced before? Definitely. Well, I don't know. Because uh, he definitely has the experience and memory of what it what paintings look like. Yeah. So if you're born blind, that's a little bit different than jumping in and and recalling those visual memories and using the muscle memory to continue that and it's if a blind contour is when you draw without looking at your paper it's similar to that you kind of have to trust in your hand you have to trust that what you're going to put on is what you want to put on obviously doing something representational is it is different than intentionally trying to do something abstract i mean for someone blind to say I'm going to try to draw the statue of David and make it look as representational as possible. That would be a feat. That's amazing. And I don't think that's what he's doing. Um, no, what's amazing about Karamfalov is that he does he does Bob Ross's. He does landscape oh, portraiture. So he definitely has memory yeah. of doing them. Yeah. It's systematic. <laughs> the way, you know, if you ever watch Bob, he's got a system. It works very well. Yep. He can paint a nice picture in a half hour and teach you how to do it. It's like paint night, but you can get drunk. It's BYOB paint night, <laughs> virtually. It's a, it's a little ahead of its time. A little bit. We should all get blind. Um, <laughs> I think that this guy is truly an inspiration. And for those of you interns out there, be like, I don't give a fuck about landscape painting. I just wanted to share that to let you know that with great practice in your craft, no matter what the craft is, even when you become handicapped, you might still be able to do it unless you practice soccer and you can't walk anymore or something. But, um, you know, practice, practice, practice. We say it all the time in the Art Pros podcast. Do you have a news story for us today, Renz? I got one, too. Um, you know, a couple episodes ago, we were talking about how excited Gage and I were about the new uh, news about the Philippines because we could finally talk about it and maybe even make some art about it. So more people would be able to understand our culture and really get to uh, have some empathy. Are you talking about the, the volcano? I'm talking about the volcano. Mm. And look, in I, I guess I guess maybe this person listened to our podcast, but the article says Philippine artist paints images of volcanic devastation using ash. So this artist uh, is lives in the town near where the volcano has been, you know, active and, and spewing miles of ash into the air. Let me read a little excerpt for everybody. It says, Ash from a rumbling Philippine vol volcano has inspired an artist and instructor to paint watercolors using the gray powder that had covered the plants in her backyard. Janina Sanico, the artist, who lives in the town near the Taal volcano, collected the ash, mixed it with water and binder, and started painting images some of them depicting the devastation caused by the small but dangerous volcano. Quote, so that was the pain that I felt. So when I saw the animals, that's where I got my inspiration for my paintings, said the 24-year-old Sanico. More than 140,000 people have already been evacuated after Taal, one of the Philippines' most active volcanoes erupted more than a week ago, blanketing homes, schools, and farms with ash. And Sanico, a promoter of natural pigment watercolors, said she's been selling her paintings and donating the profits to help thousands of people who have been displaced. Quote, since the ash came from the earth, 
I experimented. I studied. That's when I posted my artwork on social media. I found that it was widely received by people, said Seneca. Because so she went viral. She went viral. She went viral because because she must have heard our podcast. Yeah. She must have took our advice. Definitely. So it's the only thing I can think. The coronavirus isn't the only thing Asian going viral. <laughs> Don't laugh at that. It's not funny. Um, wow. Shout out to her. She did like a double header. Not Pretty only much. did she get like, you know, free pigment from this volcano, but she used it to flip and, you know, make a fat stack it's for her like. people's. That's what I like about our peoples. Is, that's, uh, that's resourceful. That's what I'm talking about, man. Talk, talk about Filipino ingenuity turning tragedy into clout. And that's what I like to hear. That's what we're all about on the art pros. Um, you know, something like that. It was really convenient. She didn't really have to do a lot of research on the Ta'al volcano eruption because it happened right in her backyard. But sometimes you want to turn tragedy into clout. You want to turn tragedy into artwork, into profit. And to do that... You need to do research. Look, disasters need exposure too. Yeah. I mean, I would say on top of, you know, cute cat photos, like right below cute cat photos, the things that should get the most exposure are disasters, you know, in the world. Everyone needs to know what's happening. Yeah. Stay woke. Keep your eighth eye open. It's 2020, baby. Whew. Man, what a bi- it's a big week. It's a big week for news. There's a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff we'd rather not cover because it's, it's, pretty much being thrown at everyone's face right now all this virus scare this virus thing from china and and then the the stuff happening in our government it's crazy dude i found my superpower my my, oh shit my quirk my keke genkai uh so i was at the 7-eleven the other day and the cashier you know, looked at me, she gave me a funny look and she asked, where are you from? And I said, Florida. And she's like, no, no, no. Where are you from? Really? I was like the Philippines. And she audibly sighed, you know, voice of relief. I was with a buddy of mine who was also Asian, you know, from, he's from like Baltimore County, but you know, he's Korean. He says Korea. And she's like, oh man, that virus in, in China, that's terrifying, isn't it? And I realized she was worried we might be carriers. So I figured out my superpower. I can now weaponize racism. When people see my slanted eyes, I need do any more than just cough in their direction. And they'll flee in fear. You know, it's pretty fucking awesome. I was passing this dude wearing a, he was with his son and they were in the, in the head shop and they were both wearing, you know, surgical masks and they were in front of me in line. So I coughed really loud and then I got to the front of the line pretty quick. <laughs> it was awesome. Wow, man. That sounds like a pretty super power. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty dope. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I guess just having squinted eyes means that you carry uh, this coronavirus. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. All you got to do is put it in the news every day. Put how many people have died, how many people are sick. And you can get people to get to become aware of something so deeply, but... There's also the statistic of the flu. The flu's killed tons of tons of people every year. Yeah. I mean, to me, a thousand is a lot. Yeah. And that happens every year. So how come well, th- this virus is a form of the flu? It's a little bit different. It is very scary. Oh, it's because it came from China. 
see yeah yeah i i really do i i'm gonna remove the veil for a second it's definitely people's anti-asian prejudice that's making this seem like such a uh that people are making a big deal out of it like the othering of china has made people more scared of this flu than than local you know influenza yeah i mean it's definitely like uh uh what do you call it it's a way to probably continue the issues with trade with them or or i mean i don't know it's been going on since as long as i've i've been alive china and america haven't really been friends like that i mean they work together to sell stuff to us yeah yeah Yeah. in trade but now that that's getting funky i guess the relationship's getting worse you know it's not mutual or as beneficial yeah man gotta watch out for that kung flu though Mm. gotta watch out for the woo flu (laughs) um yeah it's just it's it's pretty cool to see how powerful the media can be to just like reinforce prejudice and uh immediately do it do it immediately it's powerful man yeah. it's powerful information information is the new gold people make money out of it you know data look at facebook this dude who was shitty from the beginning still shitty what's his name mark or something mark flounder um went from uh creating the hot or not thing which was in it in and of itself a way to be shitty to people right yeah and now here he is today still acting like the same thing you know like yeah yeah i mean dude all i'm saying Renz, is the media has made it so that if you were just a little more light-skinned like me where people would believe you're from china you too could carry the superpower cough as your enemies flee in terror let them know, oh, I just got back from Wuhan. Say your L's like ours. Oh, hero. <laughs> <laughs> and watch them flee in terror. Um, and it's their own prejudice that will cause that. If, like, one of my older family members was the president, I feel like vicks vapo rub sales would go up a lot oh yeah it'd be like you know go go stock up on the vicks vapo rub you might get this chinese disease but just put some vicks in your like upper lip oh i know exactly yeah. what my grandma would say yeah. she'd she'd be on some shit like uh oh just apple cider vinegar and orange juice just drink that drink a whole cup of it and you'll be good yeah well one of my friends said that his grandma when he was a kid would put onions she'd cut up onions and put it in his sock when they had an illness and you put the sock on and the onions are supposed to absorb the toxins. You know, the Philippines is actually doing, uh, yeah, you you told me that before. The Philippines is actually doing some, some fucked up shit to Chinese immigrants though. What? Um, of course they are. Like in response to the Wuhan virus, cause they're not really sending them to hospitals. They're just kicking them out. What? Yeah. Man. All right. Well, they got their first case two days ago, though. Oh, snap. Is someone in, what, Chicago or Minnesota had just gotten it here in America? Yeah, and in D.C. like a few days ago. And uh, Filipinos in Wuhan are saying that it's safer, or Wuhan are saying it's safer to stay in Wuhan than to face the discrimination in the Philippines. So I haven't done that much research into it. I just saw that. but That's you know, wild. Yeah, so the Filipinos discriminate too. Sorry, guys. I mean, but... that's like right around the corner from us. DC, it's what is it coming through? Packaging and, and no, I don't know what is travel. It? It's it's human to human, okay? And like oh. The, the oh, that's right. 
it's like they haven't really determined how many people infect how many people on average but it's apparently like a little bit lower than the flu and like higher than or it's a little bit lower it's like half as effective as measles but like more than the flu the flu is like two to three and then this virus is four to six is what people are estimating Hmm. that's scary man yeah that's just scary but you know that's not what we're here to talk about today we just got a little carried away um today we're going to talk to you about research gotta get informed you gotta get informed research is the number one tool in an artist's tool belt but there's many forms of research there's material research there is uh historical research there's scientific research and and the artist's use of research is significantly different than the scientific method although i feel like you could apply the scientific method depending on the situation Renz, have you ever had to research something in your career as an artist let me think not really most of my art isn't research based so you're telling me you never had to go look at a painting oh in that sense yeah i mean for for class there's a lot of visual research for stylistic things like art history i was uh kind of referring more i don't do any uh educate or informational research not as much as just looking at art in the museum and visiting the collection and going behind the scenes in the museum and seeing old drawings by masters and stuff like that yeah but this day and age it is important to have some sort of knowledge if you're going to be making art that's conceptually based well well let me let me counter your point with your own artwork okay so my buddy Renz has a painting when i first met him this was the first work of his i ever saw it's a triangular painting of Kanye West in in the same visage as Napoleon Bonaparte. You know, the famous one where Napoleon's on the back of the horse and he's standing. That one was Kanye West. And to me, I would argue that it took pop culture re- research to, under, like, at the time, Kanye West was pretty popular. He was just starting to become, like, mega famous in the public eye. It was a little bit after the Taylor Swift Grammy or whatever music video of the year. Uh, thing where he was like oh it should have been or who was it Beyonce yeah 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 it was like maybe a year or two after that I think um, so he was just starting to get big in the public eye that takes that's pop culture research that's like knowing what people will respond to and it was striking to me because I'd always liked Kanye West music but I never even really knew what he looked like until like you know a month before that so I would claim that that's research so not only did you need to know the historical relevance of the Napoleon Bonaparte painting, where, you know, this is one of the greatest conquerors uh, in French history. This is a guy who the painting itself is very, very accessible to the general public because it's in pop culture so much. And then by mixing that with Kanye West, you know, you made a piece that's immediately recognizable and draws attention to it and people can draw their own conclusions from that. I would say that that's an intrinsic research that I did being a part of that pop culture phenomenon. Yeah. So, yeah, that is a form of research. Sometimes you do research without knowing it, just by being a part of a culture. Sometimes people are knowledgeable in that sense because maybe they like, I don't know, boats or something. Yeah. And they just get research from experience, by virtue of experience. I don't often seek it by going to the library. I really do that more so um, just passively. 
I find articles, I, I dig deep in Wikipedia. So I guess I do do research. It's just, I don't do it specifically to make a piece. I do research and then I make pieces from all this data that I'm storing in my large brain. And I think that I think that that's the nature for most artists. I think that most most of you who are creative um, are constantly observing the things around you and intaking that and then putting it out through your lens. And you know that's important. Maybe that's even what you think all art is is you know interpreting the world around you and then you know spewing out a representation of that. Yeah. But I think that in terms of your artistic tool set, you know, you gotta be intentional and observe what are the things and why, why are you drawn to them and like really, really be methodical about that. I know that it sounds boring and people like intuition, but intuition, believe it or not, you know, actually, you know what, I was going to say something that sounded like really uh, arrogant, but believe it or not, intuition is based off of observation it's based off of your past experience like like i hate this idea that people always think that like intuition is genetic and it's like probably maybe 30 percent. but you know intuition is about what you've observed and then responding to it it's more about trusting your gut but you can definitely fill your gut with more information yeah i mean there's nothing worse than making something because you know it's popular and then getting challenged about it when someone asks you why you made it and the truth is maybe you just made it because it looks cool yeah maybe you just uh so i don't know i i honestly don't know a lot of people who would do that that's kind of a no-no i think most people wouldn't really commit to that while and and just knowing that they're only doing it for clout um I, I this is a touchy topic you know this is a touchy topic because i i am not operating as an artist in big cities where there's a lot of opportunities to show art in galleries the reason i say that is because it where we live because the opportunities aren't as vast as other larger cities like Los Angeles or New York or maybe even Chicago or D.C., um, the luxury of having galleries is not as prevalent in the city. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, so, and then the galleries here tend to just show people from those cities anyways. Yeah. So what I mean to say is it sounds like to me it might be a little bit easier to get into a show if you have a bunch of work that, I don't know, is about, let's say, Trump's wall. Yeah, that's and, just true. Yeah, and then maybe that artist is only doing that because it's in the news. Maybe it's just a way for them to get ahead. I I believe that some people might go for that. Yeah. Yeah, just, just to become a successful artist, and that's, uh, you know yeah to talk about there's like people whose entire relationship with with their art is um knowing that for example the orange man bad and then making an art piece where you criticize the orange man with no sort of like subtext or research or like policy criticism there yeah, for example yeah. everyone on the news is making fun of make america great again hats so you make an um, make america great again hat and then you destroy it and people applaud you even though you've said nothing like all you've said is like i don't i guess i don't like this hat 
Yeah. <laughs> Something. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a little hard to describe for me. But you you did it. I think that was a really good uh, comparison. I mean, so I've done a lot of research-based work, and I'll tell you guys, interns, that it's really it, it doesn't pay off that well unless you're really really good at researching. So I've been practicing. So like like I think that there's like five levels to research, and the people who probably exhibit like high high levels of research the best are um you know weapons manufacturers and researchers you know they stand on the shoulders of giants and i'm more of like i watched a 15 minute diy youtube video on something (laughs) and like now i know enough to hold my own at a party when talking to someone who doesn't know anything about it yeah um but you know in the art world we have like a much wider margin of error and that's something you should take advantage of i think if you're gonna make content about something you should be well researched on it so that when you meet someone who actually cares about what you're talking about, you know, a potential fan, a potential person who sees value in what you're doing, you are able to authentically reach them and they're not going to just think you're full of poo poo. <laughs> I mean, and, and really what we're talking about now is um, being responsible with information, right? Because that's what research is yeah you seek out information that you think you should be uh, should be shared uh and what happens in today's society is the information that they send you isn't it, it might not be all of what entailed with whatever information is being shared i'm talking about like you know shitty stupid news stories just for the sake of i don't know propaganda or maybe a distraction for other things that are happening behind the scenes um maybe it's a clickbait article yeah where the title is just shared on twitter and that becomes the rule of law yeah yeah so something like that and i don't i don't honestly believe that you have to do research to be an artist either like no. i think it's perfectly fine to just paint what you enjoy painting like you know i guess anime digital drawings that's cool yeah and even art style stuff so I, I that that makes me think is research only important because conceptual art is big these days no i no and here's why i think that's not the case i think that there is an importance if you are going to make an art piece that has integrity, you need to do research. And even the people that you're talking about that paint things because they like it, they do that visual research that we, you know, we talked about at the beginning, the visual research that every artist does or should be doing. You know, for example, if you're someone who likes to do geometric patterns or like abstract art, um, and you're you have the means to research what other people have done before you you should probably be doing visual research even if you hate that stuff, even if you think you're the only person who does it right. And there's a lot of people who are going to think like, oh, you guys talk about outsider art and like intuition and creativity. But realistically, even even outsider artists were doing that visual research and we're doing it with intent. I mean, like like divine intervention, the, the divine calling from God, um, even if you believe that's how someone makes a great art piece, even that needs to be, that needs to come from from something. Yeah. Like like that prophecy that you hear needs to be delivered to you in a way, and oftentimes it's not through words. 
Do you have a project that you feel like you um, research the most on out of anything else? I mean, I work with, uh, I'm in the process of researching and like trying to ramp up the whole like mycelium mushroom thing uh, mm -hmm. using using the mushroom root structure to essentially grow sculptures. I work on that with Sebastian Ruiz in, in Miami. Um, it's hard to do that type of research without a lot of money. So a lot of it is like reading research papers and then like growing you know mushroom cultures and just seeing like what type of aggregates you can use for that and all of that stuff is really just uh the most of the research i do is from like like companies that are trying to develop it for packaging materials so companies like ecovative or like someone like paul stametz who was on the joe rogan podcast uh and you know there's like what's it called myco works or something i mean a lot of people are trying to study mycelium but like that's something that's been like heavily research invested but the thing is is that even with a project like that that's based on materials research for arts applications there's the importance of doing research into the relevance of mushrooms and in, in culture the environmental impact of like ramping up production of a biological material like all of those things are also things you need to research aside from just the the aesthetics and how to's that are important to me in my art practice that might not be important to other artists you know, one thing that I actually do research a lot isn't necessarily linked to my painting art practice, which is where yeah, you know, how I got to where I am now. A lot of the research that I've been doing isn't directly connected to skill, well, to my concepts. It's more so about other things that I think will help my final product, like marketing. I've done a lot of marketing research, like how, what can I do to get whatever I want to do out there? I've done a lot of research on grants. Yeah. Well, how can I get money to make a project that I want to make? Because if you want to do a venture, if you have a great idea and you don't really have the funds to do it, I think the safest bet is to not try and find a way not to use your own money to make it, right? Yeah. Because if it's really good, you might be able to find funding for it. There's a lot of people out there who want to donate or or give money to an artist who, you, you know, maybe it the idea is to um, improve on national historic culture of wherever you live or something. So that's what I do. I look up what kind of grants I can apply for if if I have enough of a proof of concept or if, or if there's enough in my portfolio i don't know I, I think that it's important to just try to apply to a lot of things a lot of people say that you're going to get denied nine times out of ten before you finally get a grant i think researching will really really help to make that statistic a little lower yeah i would say out of all the grants i've applied for i maybe get at least around 25 percent of it yeah because That's pretty good I, it's it's okay, but it still doesn't feel good when you don't get the grant. Well, maybe yeah. you, you're like planning on getting it, you know, you wish you... But that's another thing, is that you shouldn't really try to apply for a grant and bank all of your success off of that. That doesn't look good on paper. No, it doesn't. Yeah, so if you're going to be writing a grant, you're going to be wanting to show whoever you're applying for, whoever's going to be judging the grant, that you are doing this stuff already. Yeah. And you only want the grant so you can finish it. Yeah. Or something like that, right? Not, you can't, you're, it's going to be less likely for you to get money if you walk in there uh, and 
try to write something, walk into the grant writing process and try to say, yeah, I haven't started yet, but once I get this money, I can start that. And, and maybe you're just an emerging artist and you don't have a lot of work for that. You kind of have to work for free for a little yeah. or, or maybe get a grant that's a, a little lower than maybe a 10,000 grant that you want. There's a lot of $1,000 range grants out there that you can go after so you can continue to build your uh, viability as an artist. Just to self-invest. Now, let me ask you something. I'm always sitting around. I'm sitting here. I'm like, damn, I'm fucking broke. Like, I want to make some cool art. And, you know, I go into the Google and I type grants. <laughs> Not a lot comes up. How do you, when you are, for example, looking for a grant to do a mural project or, you know, looking for a mur mural project that you have a grant for, what is your research, you know, and this is, guys, this is a serious episode here. What is your research process for finding, you know, grant money? Well, well, Gage, I'm a real uh, traditionalist. I'm a, you could call me a salt of the earth type of guy. Oh, salt. And that's Great. not just because I eat a lot of it. High cholesterol. It's because I've learned that speaking to people is my favorite way and the most effective way for me to get directly to where I think I should go. So that's where you find most of your grants, by talking to people? People with experience, people that know where where these opportunities are because they've done it before. And you can find that just by, you know, looking at your own personal network. Maybe you have a friend that won a grant before. That's one thing I tried. Just gotta go for it. I knew a guy that won one of these major grants in the city and i reached out and they said hey man i want to apply for this what do you know about it and then from that i got a lead on a few more grants i mean and then it starts from there you get or maybe you are starting from absolute scratch maybe you do look up grant on google if you don't find something you can add what city you live in yeah baltimore or, grant Play with the keywords, grants for artists in Baltimore. Grant, yeah. Let me tell you guys some some good actual arts keywords for grants. The This is the, the nomenclature that I see most often. Individual Artists Award, Baltimore, or Individual Artists Award, Chicago, um, Artist Endowment, Tradition, Arts, Grant opportunities i mean those like i know that this sounds stupid and most of you know how to use google but you know it's important to know those things also little pro tip a lot of these funding uh institutions use submittable.com to post all their all their submission application you know that's their portal and if you sign up for that and you go on there it has submissions for from every institution all over the country that uses submittable and almost every you know grant or teaching or even some even like you know freelance job opportunities i found on on submittable.com and you can just type in baltimore and everything will pop up that they've posted for like the next like year and a half with a deadline and it's all right there yeah or you can figure out by starting with whatever uh art funding is going to the government in your state oh yeah msac yeah so if you live in a state more than likely there will be a government-based state organization that is managing 
the money that will be distributed via grants. So there's it's all over the world. Each it, it's all over the country. Um, For example, those of you in Baltimore, Maryland State's Arts Council. They have grant opportunities all the time. And I know if you're actually around here in the arts, like you've heard that name before, they got money out there for you. Yeah. And there's a Pennsylvania State Arts Council, too. So that's I don't know if that's a common thing statewide, but I'm sure that they're going to be named along those lines. If you're in South Florida, there's the South Florida Consortium that's done every year for members of, of West Palm uh Broward County and Miami Dade County. Yeah, and a lot of these grants might be uh locally based and that might be one of the uh conditions for the grant you must live in this county type of thing. Yeah. Uh so that's the type of research that will put you to bed but will help you buy the bed that it puts you in. You oh know? yeah, another thing emerging artist awards. That's a big one. I see tons of those. Yeah. For people who have only shown in like one gallery or have never shown before, you know, yeah. that's like specific. For show. For show. Dang. I feel really smart right now. Uh, yeah, man. I've failed at getting, I've failed at getting so many grants. Like I've tried so hard to get grants. I, I help others with their grant writing and sometimes they get grants, but uh, I can't remember. The, the last grant I got was like a studio grant. It wasn't even money. They should have just put money in my pocket. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I haven't gotten a ton of them most of them have been for mural projects but that's because i've been doing that and i have the experience and i've met the right people i could really just admit that it was a mix of being lucky and just putting myself out there um and messing up a lot being a good painter and maybe being a good painter too but i think a lot of it more so was understanding that i i had to get out there to get these things i couldn't just sit around and um keep trying at home just on the internet because you really will have an easier time if you make and build a relationship with the people that might be working with you in this grant the people that might be administrating the grant you know things like that it takes experience it really does so when you meet people no i'm sorry so when you do your murals do you do that thing where you draw the little instagram logo in the bottom right corner and then you write art dot rens <laughs> No, I actually, a few of our murals um, have, they the organization that funded it have made plaques for it. Oh, really? Yeah. That <laughs> That's pretty, pretty badass. Cool. Um, but no, I don't, I don't typically sign things like that with my Instagram handle. <laughs> a lot of those murals are definitely privately funded. Yeah. The, yeah. Oh, the Instagram handle yeah. ones. That's where the bank is, to be honest, man. Like I go up and I look at all these really amazing murals in philly like 1.2 million dollar endowment for this mural project like on the real though they're the way that professional muralists price their work is by the square foot oh shit how much is that a lot really it's like hundreds depending on your experience level i mean i guess that makes sense because like you could probably price regular size or like not regular but like you know canvas sized paintings at a similar price point depending on your skill level and i have a sneaking suspicion that the reason we've been getting the grants was because it's a bidding war pretty much yeah you put in your bid and whoever has the most reasonable price with a proven track record is going to get it damn so if i think that the reason we're getting these grants is because we just cost less than yeah 
So how do you start? Um, if you're like a muralist and uh, you guys consider this research, how did you start doing murals? Met somebody. You met somebody and they just gave you a shot? So here's actually how it happened. After I graduated, one of my uh, friends at the time, I ran into him and I was like, hey man, what you been doing since you graduated? Or what are you going to do after you're, you're, we're finished with walking and, and graduation or something like that? And they said that they were working with a muralist, painting a mural downtown somewhere. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, cool. That's really good. Um, and then they mentioned that he was looking for people to help every now and then. I was like, well, I mean, could you let him know that I'm interested? Is that something that, is it okay? And he was like, yeah, probably. Then like a week later, I got a text from the guy, right? His name's uh, Ezra. And he, he texts kind of funny. He texts like he gets paid by the letter or he has to pay per letter. In oh, the text. he probably does, man. So he texted like, hi, we paint downtown today. Pays $12. <laughs> want to schmear paint i was like what yeah i'll be there soon so i took the bus met the guy um you know built the relationship tried to be get to know him as well as i could and he was like yeah come back tomorrow if you want i'll keep keep tabs on your hours and whatever real casual type of uh, job and i even fucked up big time during that <laughs> job and he still let me keep painting for him i've made like five projects with this muralist sorry. yeah all over the uh, county um i think it was my third day he had something to do and i offered to get one of these major things done that he said he might not be able to finish yeah it was uh we had to prime the front of the storefront we were painting for and i was like i can do that i'll bring the primer home and take the bus down here tomorrow and paint it all he was like, okay, I'll leave some of the stuff with the building. Yeah. I was like, cool. So I went down there, started priming, and I had to prime, like, the top of the door frame. So I got my ladder. I put the paint bucket in that little tray. Yeah. And I tried to move it, but I forgot the paint bucket was on top, and I spilled <laughs> almost all of the primer in front of the <laughs> shop. I got lucky because this old lady who lives in the street would sit and watch paint and like talk to people whoever was painting that day and she was there she was like oh oh man um i know what to do i was like what what i'm 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 screwed she's like no we're gonna be fine i want you to go in my house down the street i know mr whatever whatever has a he's the only person with a spout outside his home so i'm gonna walk there and ask if we could use it in the meantime i have a giant mixing bowl in my kitchen go walk in there and grab it and we'll fill it up with water I'll ask the guy, he'll let us do it, and just throw it on the fucking thing, and we'll clean it up. I was like, all right. I ran. (laughs) I mean, this mixing bowl was huge. I've never seen one so big. Like, I couldn't wrap my own arm around it. So I did it. I filled it up next door, went there, and splashed. I took, like, four trips, but there was still primer on the floor, obviously. Um, And... I texted the guy, I was like, dude, I screwed up really bad. I dropped the primer. And he was like, oh, man. He started laughing. That was funny. <laughs> he was like, um, all right, you're fired. Come back tomorrow, though. And we'll... <laughs> like, he said he jokingly did it. And the funny thing is he talked to the guy. Um, he thought it was funny that the guy was pissed off. Yeah. And he was like, it's cool, man. I convinced him to, that I, I can make a giant coffee mug to look like coffee spilled on the floor. <laughs> And we can make it out of cement or something, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. 
I don't know. That's really funny. Yeah. yeah. You know what they say, man. Real recognize real. I, that, I definitely got lucky with that, too. And that was my start. No, and you had a, you guys had a shared problem that you came up with a solution for. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's always good. Um, definitely don't try and cover up your your failures. Now, here's something I thought about that's related to research. When you're priming the front of a building, you need to go online. You got to look up <laughs> what type of primer to use for what type of stone. Oh man, research is a tough one. God, do you even like do Do you ever do? Have you ever had to do concerted research for anything besides for grants? Um, let me think. That's kind of the the bonus of being in art school is like the only time you ever have to do like hardcore research is for your liberal arts papers. Definitely for school, obviously because it's school. But I learned um a lot about Filipino history. That's what I do. Pretty often, I'll just Google stuff that I'm curious about that uh, was pre-colonial. So I got like a Google Doc where I'm putting all these articles in there. And I want to learn, maybe one day I'll go to the library or something and get some real info on it or something. But I don't know. Dude, the library is so cool, man. <laughs> we're losing it. No, we're no, crazy. We're not. I know. I'm like, I, I'm still thinking about art. We're gonna try and do a Filipino podcast on Filipino culture that's like well released, NPR quality, guys. And I'm just, I, I'm still reeling from those thoughts. It's kind of hard to think about funny research gaffes. Like sometimes you do research and you just get the wrong information. Nothing's more embarrassing than misquoting a quote to someone that you researched, but you researched haphazardly. So I was giving like a little baby present, like baby group presentation to a bunch of scientists on like a science thing. And I misquoted this quote. And the gist of it is that like magic and, or like science is, uh, science is a way to explain magic or like magic and science are the same thing. Uh, fuck like see i can't even quote it now but nothing's more embarrassing than saying that to someone who's got like a master's in electrochemistry or some made-up sounding fucking degree well no you just talk louder oh yeah we should just talk louder and you interrupt people to say your uh, pseudo intellect dude you gotta close your eyes when you talk to someone because that lets them know that you're not even interested in taking what's around you you just gotta you just gotta get that idea out there. Damn, dude. You know? Research is way too serious. Research is super serious, man. I hate being that serious. I mean, that's what makes art so boring to do. What? Being super like researching? No, being super serious. It's like I can't imagine someone's having fun painting Matilda by the beach, you know, with a really dark background. <laughs> Matilda's almost nude, but she has the shroud around her breasts and the wind is caressing her hair and you need to spend 45 hours very seriously and meticulously painting photorealistic. I'm just not built like that, man. Yeah, it just sounds boring to do. I I mean, I love... But the thing is, I love researching about things. I just don't make art about it all the time. And, or maybe I make art about it later or something like that. I just think that sometimes it could be difficult to jump into a highly researched work um, if it's too complicated. I think that for me, the fun of looking at art is being able to like, uh, I guess, translate that 
point of curiosity about something like getting getting in that gallery looking at this piece of work and understanding what it is by virtue of its materialism or why what it looks like and then being able to research it later you know yeah sometimes sometimes i've i've seen art that i just would not understand until i research it yeah and to me i think it's it's more fun to look at something that i can understand and then can research also if i wanted to look more into it like for example you brought up that kanye painting right yeah i just did that because i thought it would be funny and i think that was around the time when he came out with yeezus or something i don't remember but i thought it would be funny to just slap his face on napoleon because <laughs> and uh, and people started looking at it and telling me all sorts of stuff that i didn't intend this one guy a uh, visiting professor or I think you've told the story before. Yeah, he basically thought it was a Haitian revolutionary instead of Kanye, which I thought was super funny. But it's that I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes maybe not being researched works. Yeah, but sometimes like this episode, it it can leave you exhausted and and grasping at straws. I mean, there's there's I mean, well, okay. Let's say you're painting something that's based in history. And, it, you know, you're painting a tragedy or you're painting a comedy. You're painting something that's, like, really important to you. I think it's a mark of poor research if you can't, if you're trying to convey an idea about something specific, you know, something that's beyond a feeling. Like, like uh, you know, some works are just about a feeling. Some works are about a specific moment in history. And you haven't done your research if you can't make an object that conveys that information without someone being researched in it, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, no, because then there's that whole, the girl who's painting using ash from a volcano, and all she needs to do is say that it's from, like, you know, a volcano spewing forth, and that makes sense. Yeah. That's what I was trying to describe. Like, where's the, where's the point in which you're researching too much or putting too much information in a piece of art? It's probably right past the point where it doesn't get likes on instagram right so is like is the goal of an artist to make people want to know more about if there is a concept behind the work and i think even even a landscape artist a traditional portrait painter that could still activate that nerve in a viewer to say man i want to learn more about this person that this painter from the 1800s painted i think that's another thing a a lot of uh portrait painters in the 1700s 1800s you go to a museum and you'd have no idea who the hell this person is but they have enough money to pay for a large greater than life-size portrait yeah that's another fun interesting historical reference that some people might want to look into i think i think the value of art also can come from or researching art will be i don't know how far back people see their art being presented in shows like maybe you're at a point where your art will be shown after you're dead hell yeah cool one like maybe you should consider just in case maybe 50 years after you die somebody discovers your paintings in a large pile of rubbish like in the in thousand years later maybe they see a bunch of your old art in your dilapidated 
uh, home because there was a big war that destroyed everything. And they see this large painting of a clown doing the blood sign with his hand. <laughs> They're gonna want to look at that. Like, what is this thing that this this person painted? Why? What's the relevance of this this hand sign that spells out blood? You know what I mean? There is no relevance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just a cool image. I don't know what I'm talking about, man. Yo, me neither. But see, I'm old fashioned. I don't think it's the job of the artist to generate any interest in the artwork. I think it's the job of the curator. Fuck uh, it. I want to just hand my shit off. <laughs> Doesn't mean wiping my hands of the piece. I just want to give it to someone and then have them make it seem valuable. Is that right. too much to ask as an artist like these days? Like, isn't everybody a curator? Shouldn't I just be able to hand it to some random guy down the street and have him make it seem important? I mean, yeah. That's in a perfect world, sure, yeah. Yeah. yeah That's yeah. what I want. Do you ever feel like your brain gets too big? Yeah, actually. Sometimes sometimes it gets... It, I feel so much pressure in my mind that... Um, I just gotta, I don't know, I gotta put my thumbs in my ears so the brain doesn't fall out or something like that. I gotta do that I mean, when it's, when I have a fever, all that earwax comes out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Um, I think this should be a Patreon exclusive. It's just that good. <laughs> uh, oh, man. It's hard enough doing 15 minutes of research. I know. To do a whole hour on research? <sighs> I mean, what even is research? What what's what what do you do with that? Unless you're trying to kill more people or save more people, what do you do with the rest of it? Like cultural research, is that important? It's important to have a documentation of life as it is because lest we repeat it. Look, everyone's getting there's a lot of people that get upset at maybe misinformation that is written in history books right or maybe the lack of information well that is someone's job so it's very doable and very if you feel so inspired by that you could add to that narrative you could add that information that you think is missing maybe you might even want to pursue writing your own book you know otherwise the same people writing the history books that people are getting mad about for having lack of information or misinformation are going to keep writing it. You know what I'm saying? So that's an important facet of research. And even I even think that's an important thing for being an artist and adding to that narrative as well, because it's a different way to talk about something happening. It's more visceral. It's more... Uh, like you said, there's there's a lot more ways to interpret it than just a book with writing. You know, it might it might it's the same message but different thing, different uh, vehicle. Well, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that for the next episode, I'm gonna do a whole hour of research. Yeah, I think so. I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna cloud it up. Because all this talk about research makes me realize how under researched I was to talk about research. How, how poorly equipped I was to make this art piece, this podcast you're listening to now. I didn't even have time to come up with any dope one-liners, no new jokes. Like, why did the uh, chicken cross the road to get to the other side? Get it? Because he wanted to get hit by a car and die? It's a suicide joke. <laughs> the guy who wrote that clearly did his research. I can never write a joke like that. Not yet. 
I mean, the life of a chicken is a hard life. Yeah, you're just sitting there shitting out eggs every day. Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah. And then if you're a male chicken, you got to cock-a-doodle-doo, like, all the time. That's all you're known for. Like, maybe you just want to have a nice dinner with your kids, and you go into a restaurant, and someone's like, hey, man, do the thing. And you're like, come on, buddy. I'm, I'm like, with my family. And he's like, dude, <laughs> do the thing. Do the thing. Do the thing. And you're like, cock-a-doodle-doo. It's fucking embarrassing. Like, what are you, just like some sort of monkey? Right. To do tricks on command? Yeah, no, chickens deserve more than that. I mean, and that's how it feels to be an artist sometimes. It's like someone comes up to you and they just want you to do tricks on demand. They're like, oh, you an artist? Draw everything. Yeah. Yo, draw me. Draw me. Draw me. You're like, dude, I'm waiting in line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want my uh, McDouble, you know? Hey, you an artist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, can you, can you do my, my album art for free? Oh no! Yeah, you I got suck, you. Bro. Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll tag you though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I got like eight followers. I got you, brother, brother, brother. Let me no. tell you something. I can't just cock a doodle do on command. There's a specific time, and every day it's a little bit different. It goes with the motion. I align my reiki. I fucking wait for the sun to rise, and then I can cock a doodle and do. Um. Well. That might have been the funniest part of the whole episode. Jesus Christ. But <laughs> <laughs> Look, this is uh, this is the real world. The world is not all fun and games. Yeah. This is the episode where we're sitting here and actually giving really helpful advice. Like, and not as effective as our other advice. Because <laughs> it's not as exciting and entertaining. It's like the difference between your favorite class with your favorite instructor who's fun and cool versus your class that you secretly like but it's boring yeah you got you get out of class and everyone's like dude mr brandon and mr balagta so fucking boring you're like yeah bro but i learned how to find a grant i'm gonna tell y'all about this class that everyone else thought was boring it was just like a one semester class ironically it was the class that was supposed to prepare us for life after school oh was it a business class no it was called professional, professional practice yeah, yeah it was focused around that and i liked it but most of the people in my class hated going there into that class just because it was kind of boring i don't know i didn't really relate but taught us a lot about how to make websites and then where to go how to get our art out there um where the galleries were in town and how to reach out and get them to show you you know show your work just things like that you know what makes the difference between a good teacher and a and a great teacher is the storytelling aspect of it mm. everything needs to sound like a story there needs to be a beginning middle and end and we've done the beginning we've done the middle and on this journey We've had our fellow podcast listeners, those of you who are here to get information, to listen to these poorly, poorly designed pauses in my language as I try and stretch time to say that we are now approaching the end. It's the end, guys. And I don't mean the end of times. I mean the end of the episode. And for some of you, you might be sitting there thinking, oh my God, Ren's Gage, you were just starting to get entertaining. Like, what the fuck? Well, you know, it's tough out here being an artist and everything's a learning process. Like, you know, sometimes it feels like Renz and I are on this journey. We're getting into a boat and I can just imagine, you know, 
I can imagine Scotland on the other side of this boat, the beautiful pastures of the highlands. But to get there, we need to deal with rough waters like today's episode. So if you still like today's episode, <laughs> um, that's great. You know, thanks for taking the time to listen. If you found it just okay, we're going to come with more heat. This is still only, we haven't even done a whole year of podcasting yet. So I consider us podcast virgins. But every episode, we're working on getting better. So thank you so much to our core listener group. Yeah, and please, if you have any stories or topics you'd like to share with us, email us, artprospodcast at gmail.com. DM us, paid at paid.artist. We'll share your story, keep you anonymous if you need to, and you know, add a little bit of extra diversity to the stories we tell. We want everyone to be comfortable with, with um, you know, putting your two cents into our content. And this was sponsored by PBS. Filipino boys singing. That's why it was so boring today, everyone, because this is us practicing our um, public broadcasting voices. Hey, listen, sometimes like you get sick of podcasts that are just sitting there where it's just two guys trying to do their tight five the whole time. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to take everything we get from here. I'm going to take all the good jokes and just do it, you know, at the open mic at my local stand up spot. Today we tried to give you guys some good information. Yeah, I you know, hopefully it helped. We love you.